It's my very great pleasure to introduce our first speaker for the day, Sarah Stokes. Sarah is, she wants me to say that she's between jobs, but that's only because she's taking a few days off before she starts a new job as a design lead at Atlassian. So it, it sounds like she's um, a struggling out of work designer, but really she's just having a week off. So please join me in welcoming Sarah to the stage. Hello everybody um, and hello to the people at home. There are some people viewing remotely. So welcome everyone to this wonderful day. I'm sure we're all excited, great learning opportunities. So a bit about me. So I have been in design leadership and the, the world of design for about 20 years. Um, more recently, I did a master's in business coaching and what that's given me is a real desire to understand what drives us as um, humans. So what we bring as ourselves to our work. So when we show up, what have we got in terms of our kit? So I've done explorations into empathy, listening, cognitive bias, giving and receiving feedback. And today it's all about wisdom. So why am I talking about wisdom? So I was on a morning walk recently and um, I was thinking about a book my friend Paul is releasing next year called Wise Leadership. And I was thinking, I wonder what wise leadership means from a design perspective. What does wise design leadership look like? How can we make wisdom in leadership something for us? So that's why I'm here to kind of demystify, deconstruct and then reconstruct wisdom for us so that we can go to work and enact it. When I shared this presentation with my team last week, somebody said, what's the advantage of wisdom? I'm like, well, that's quite a fundamental question. <laughs> I assumed there was an advantage. And um, he said, well, when you look at the people that are successful in the world today, they don't seem very wise. I'm like, yeah, well, actually, that's the, <laughs> the reason we need wisdom is to be a counterbalance to the people that we see in the world. So let's get to it. So first question for you is, what do you picture when you think of a wise person? So just um, have a think about what um, comes up in your mind when you think of a wise person. Maybe somebody like this. So you've got Gandalf there. For me, when I thought about it, first of all, I thought of Yoda. And then there's Socrates. So these people are either dead, fictional, and male <laughs> and if we look around the room we are we are male and female we are alive and we're real and we're not greek well you may be greek and high if you are um, so what i want to do today is say that being wise is for everybody and i'm going to hopefully show you how so let's bust some myth first of all uh, first of all there's the age one so we think of wisdom as being something for the old. Um, according to research, wisdom raises um, from the age of 13 to 25, and then is steady to the age of 75, and then it tends to decline with cognitive decline. So looking around the room, we fit the age range. Knowledge. Knowledge doesn't equal wisdom. I'm sure that we can all think about people that we know that are book smart and lack common sense. People who are quantum physicists that can't make their own breakfast, for example. Um, and then experience. So experience is very useful when it comes to wisdom, but fresh perspectives can also be wise. Um, I've often worked and mentored grads, worked with and mentored grads, and they've come up with the most fresh perspectives that really brings um, some wisdom to the approaches that we're taking. Now, 
those three characters that we saw on the first slide, um, they, they act like they're wise all the time because they're not real. But in, rea in real life, we can't be wise all the time. So um, when do we need to be wise? As design leaders, we deal with lots of complex situations, difficult people situations, transformations. So a little bit of um, wisdom in those moments is what we need to think about. So this talk is really about wise moments in those times. So as is tradition, I'll start with a dictionary definition. Um, and I guess when I talk about an abstract concept, one of the things I'm hoping to do is to make this abstract concept concrete. So the ability to use your knowledge and experience to make good decisions and judgments. That sounds a bit counter to what I've just said about knowledge and experience, and it's probably lacks a bit of depth for our context. So according to McKenna and Rooney from Queensland University, uh, their research says that wise leaders have foresight, use reason, experience and careful observation, allow for non-rational or subjective elements when making decisions, have an orientation beyond self-interest and towards the common good. So if you think about yourself in your role, what do you think about these aspects of wisdom? Can you see how you're doing some of this already? So have foresight. Um, often when we're leading designers, we're leading them into the unknown and we're helping them create foresight. And the balance of using reason and non-rational elements when we're bringing out um, experiences into the world with real human beings using them is a good mix. And we are working beyond ourselves. We're working with the teams and organizations. So when I did this research, um, I thought I'm not going to focus on the book that my friend Paul has got coming out next year because that would just be copying. I will um, do my own research and then at the end we'll match up what his has come up with. Now three months versus um, two years plus another person, it's going to be a bit different but we'll see at the end. So um, these themes or these aspects are what, what I came up with and this is what we're going to cover today. So there's two sections, there's self-awareness and character traits and this is the first section which talks about what we bring and then the second one is more about what we do so knowledge perspective taking and actions and activities and that was pretty consistent across all of the research that i looked at and when we talk about knowledge here we're talking about knowledge that we can access share or obtain not necessarily knowledge that comes with from within us so aristotle said Knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom, and I tend to agree. Um, I think certainly as somebody who coaches um, leaders and designers, the first thing that we always do is try and build self-awareness because um, there's great power in self-awareness. Once you know who you are um, and where you're going, um, that really helps. So just breaking down self-awareness in this context, it's about understanding who we are, what our triggers are, limitations, um, etc., so that these inform how we think, feel, and act in the world. So um, one, of the one of the funny side benefits of doing this talk is I've become a lot more self-aware in the past few months because I've been thinking about self-awareness and I've been really watching myself. So recently had an experience where um, one of those situations where someone comes to you and they tell you they want someone else to get feedback and you're the person that has to give it you're like great can you not can you not do that okay i've got to do it because i'm the boss okay so um i i kind of was really quite nervous about it i was calm i gave the feedback the feedback was received graciously the person took action great and i'm like yeah, that's cool and then a week later 
some, a similar thing happened where somebody said to me, a couple of people didn't do the right thing in a particular situation. I'm being vague, but <laughs> anyway, so um, rather than thinking it through and being calm, I reacted and um, I got a few people to do a, a few things and there was a bit of a ripple effect. And although the thing resolved itself, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a great outcome because it ruffled a few feathers. And I realized in my self-awareness that one of my things I need to do better is to slow down. So people say to me sometimes, slow down, Sarah. So that's my thing about what I learned through self-awareness. So sometimes I think for us, if we can just listen to what's going on, we can kind of, it helps us navigate. So the other thing that came up were a lot of these personal attributes um, in the research. So there's a lot in there. I'm not going to necessarily read them all out, but as you read through them, you might notice that some of them are quite designerly um, and some of them are quite leadershipy. So um, curiosity is something that we should all have as um, design leaders, um, an openness to learning, um, action orientation and humanity when we think about the empathy we need to build. But these are all the things that equate to wisdom broken down according to the research that I did. Um, and I guess one of the questions I would ask you, looking at these items, when have you experienced wise leadership and what did that person do? So just take a moment to think about when you've experienced wise leadership. So when I think of a person, I think of a person who I work with at Westpac, who was calm in a crisis, knowledgeable, reasonable, able to make decisions, unbiased, humble, uh, generous with their time and support. So it's good to think about somebody who you think is wise and then whether that is something that you can be also. So some things that we can do to build our self-awareness, I would say get a coach, but I'm not saying, <laughs> um, but that helps building self-awareness. Otherwise, um, thinking about when you're at your best and what triggers you, what are your strengths? Another way you can build self-awareness is ask for, ask for advice or feedback. So if you ask for advice, that's a less threatening way of asking for feedback. Build some time into um, your day to reflect, um, and that helps you build self-awareness. And practicing mindfulness. So when I say practice, practicing mindfulness in this context, I don't mean meditation. I mean being aware of yourself in the moment. So sometimes there's, well, there is always a space between trigger and response. And if you're mindful, you can choose how you're going to respond. Uh, and so just being aware of what your inner game is when it, when it really matters is important. So before we move on from self-awareness, this quote struck me as important because it talks about the blend of um, brain and personality in real life. So I'll read it out. In real life, wisdom manifests itself in situations that are important, difficult, uncertain, and emotionally challenging. Neither cognitive or personality components of wisdom alone are sufficient to understand real life wisdom. So we are operating in real life, we're not operating in theory. And so um, that's why I quite like this. And I quite like this article as well, if you wanted to get a picture of that. It's, um, it's quite academic, but it's a collection of um, lots of wisdom research. And we think about those difficult, uncertain times we're heading into. They're not wrong. Um, and I think personality and cognitive, so your brain and who you are, those together are what makes us wise. Which brings us on to this construct. So this is the wise mind. So I've, I've mentioned my friend who's a counsellor, 
um, that I was doing this talk on wisdom and um, she's like, oh yeah, wise mind. I'm like, oh, I'll Google that. And um, it came up with a Venn diagram. And if you know me, you know, I, I like Venn diagrams. So I couldn't help but, but include a Venn diagram. Uh, and what this does is kind of reinforces the previous quote, which is the rational and the emotional, the cognitive and the personality. So when you think about rational, we think of Dr. Spock data, does it compute? And the emotion is more the humanness. And in the middle, that's where wisdom lives. And that is striking a balance between the rational and the emotional minds. So a quiet voice of guidance found at the meeting place of reasons and emotions. So this is actually a behavioral therapy, wise mind therapy. And how they do it is um, you do an exercise to calm your mind and ask yourself a question and that's when the answers might step forward. So I'm going to be a bit unorthodox and test take us through a one or two minute breathing exercise if you'll allow me. Feel free to play along at home. <laughs> okay, so if you're willing to play along, I'd like you to shut your eyes. Put your coffee down, don't spill it. <laughs> okay, so shut your eyes, take a nice deep breath. And just feel your body relax slightly. Feel your feet and your toes. What are your hands doing? How tense is your forehead and your jaw? Your shoulders, are they tense? Just relaxing. And as you relax, you might feel that your mind slows down a bit. Less chatter and you're more aware of your body. And then there's this quiet, quiet place. And when you're ready, come back to now. So that actually calmed me down, which is quite amazing. I did it on myself. But there's, if you want to Google Wise Mind, there's a good worksheet you can do, which helps you um, get into that place when you need to. You can take two or three minutes to calm yourself down and to make space for wisdom, which helps us be more self-aware. So now that, that was all about the self stuff, let's think about wisdom in the design context. What do we bring to the table as design leaders that contribute to wise tech, wise behaviors? So um, when I looked at three, these three items and I started to think about the things that designers do, I realized that when we think about enacting wisdom, we have a lot of techniques in our toolbox, um, which I'm going to overwhelm you with in a minute. Um, but it isn't really what you do. To quote Bananarama, it ain't what you do, it's the way that you do it. <laughs> And that's what gets results. Um, but there's lots of activities in the design process. Um, and I'll just show you these, which you're all familiar with. But if you think about these and what we know about wisdom, you can see that actually a lot of these will help be wisdom enacted. So you've got things like um, ways to do ways to reduce reduce group think by working in cross-functional teams using desirability viability feasibility You've got all these different ways of um, things like pre-mortems thinking about what could possibly go right what could possibly go wrong that helps you have foresight we use evidence-based decision making through our research and data we experiment we do things we do things we take we use we take action in our wisdom as design leaders. And if we're not doing the work ourselves, we're leading our teams to do it. So we need to give people space to enact wisdom in these ways. But this was my aha moment. I'm like, oh, maybe um, design is inherently wise. Wouldn't that be cool? 
Now we're on to knowledge. So uh, Socrates said, the only true wisdom is knowing you know nothing. I would disagree with Socrates, if I may, politely. <laughs> he's, not, he's not alive anymore, so he's not going to track me down. Um, I, I'm going to show you why I don't agree with that through the model of the Dunning-Kruger effect. So hands up who knows the Dunning-Kruger effects. I'm going to talk you through it anyway. So this is a cognitive bias and you've got that competence should say perceived competence mm -hmm. and confidence. So if I think back to when I started out as a designer in the first couple of years, I'm like, I think I'm getting this. I think, I think I know everything about this. I'm really good at animation and delivering websites and really cool. Um, and then the more you kind of realize the world of it, the more complicated it gets. And then when you get to 20 years in, you're like, trust me, it's complicated. Um, and I think the side effect of that is managing people who are overconfident, but also managing yourself. So that, trust me, it's complicated, can eventuate into the imposter syndrome, but also not recognizing how experienced you are. So when it comes to knowledge, I would question yourself about what you think that you know, you don't know, because you probably know more than you do. And you probably need to be aware that you don't know everything. So before I'm not going to say anymore because I'll start talking in riddles. <laughs> One of the things I would say is after you know 20 odd years in the business, I would say that I have range now. So I've experienced a lot of different things, but I don't necessarily have the depth of knowledge that I used to have. And actually having range is pretty useful as a design leader. So there's plenty of things that we can do to mitigate knowledge related biases and this is what we can lead ourselves and our teams in we don't have to leave these don't have to be for the design process these can be when we're talking to our stakeholders um, when someone comes up with a crazy idea you can say well what assumptions are you making and they might get upset but you just show them the quadrant and map the assumptions um, the known unknowns is another good one the pre-mortems i've mentioned but having a pre-mortem before a project to figure out what could possibly go right and what could possibly go wrong is a great way to flush out risks and success factors and as always, being collaborative and leveraging data. So now we're on to perspective taking. So wisdom is your perspective on life, your sense of balance, your understanding of how the various parts and principles apply and relate to each other. That's from Stephen Covey, who is um, famous for Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which I do tend to quote. So clearly, I like the book. I have to say it's a bit of a dense book, so give yourself time. <laughs> Very quotable though. Um, so when we think about perspective taking, um, as design leaders, I think we need to recognize that we often get to see the bigger picture that other people don't because we've got our teams working on different areas. So I think uh, we can actually um, join the dots and share our knowledge with our, with our peers. So don't forget that. But when we think about perspective taking, there's lots of different ways and in many ways there's too many. So we can think about the system that we operate in, the organization the end-to-end -end experience, our customer, the data that we have, our stakeholders, our peers, and the teams that we serve. So it can get a bit overwhelming, which is why using the circle of influence and circle of concern, also from Stephen Covey, is a very useful thing to do. So I'll give you an example. When I worked at Domain, um, I was a bit more on the left-hand side. I had a lot of concern because I wasn't sure about my circle of influence. I wasn't sure of my remit. Um, so I kind of had to figure that out, but it did mean that I was quite overwhelmed. And I think when you start a new role, that is often the case. So next Monday I'll be on 
on the left-hand side when I can't figure out what I'm doing yet. And then um, as you get to understand your role, you, you're aware of your circle of influence and that reduces your circle of concern. You can say, well, my focus is this, I don't need to focus on that. That's somebody else's job. I can be concerned, but it's not something I can influence. And there's a lot of, um, it's a nice way of thinking about it. And actually mapping items onto that can be quite empowering because you think, well, I don't have to worry about that actually. Somebody else's problem. Uh, again, there's lots of things that we can do in design to take perspective. And I'm sure you're all familiar with these. Um, a good one with stakeholders, service blueprints or journey maps when you just map it all out and go, look at that, bigger picture. Um, but for ourselves, if you need to take perspective on yourself, um, get a coach, 360 reviews and fostering a feedback culture in your team so you can support other people taking perspective on themselves. So just checking my watch, good. Uh, <laughs> So this is the model, we're going to do a compare and contrast before we get to the action. So this is the model that my friend Paul came up with in his book, Wise Leadership. So at the centre of it is commit to reflective learning. Um, and that's what underpins wisdom in his context. So um, now the interesting thing about this model, so I shared this my talk with him last week and we were doing a bit of a compare and contrast, which again is unfair because I've only spent a few months and he's been doing this for years and he's very academic and I'm not. So um, one of the few things that strikes me about his model, which I'll talk a bit more about, is um, that it's very much us and not I. So when he talks about commit to reflective learning, he's talking about reflecting with your peers or with other people, don't reflect on your own. Um, and I think that's quite a powerful thing to do when you think about working in teams and it probably takes the heat off you. It's got know yourselves. Notice the plural there. We've all got different selves and there's this idea of multiplicity. So um, I'm going to try and cover that really quickly, which is um, I've got a gregarious self that I bring to um, running workshops. I've got an empathic self I might bring to when someone in my team is having personal problems. I've got an analytical self that I might bring to um, looking at data and research. I've got a lazy self that gets home and wants to watch Netflix. So um, which self do you bring to which circumstance? And so that's about knowing yourselves. And so, for example, um, knowing which is the most appropriate self to bring to any particular situation at work is quite empowering. Transcend yourselves is about um, how you in those different selves work with different people in your organization. So that's about your relationships. Uh, think meta is about the systemic. So thinking about the systems and doing dialogue is um, how we uh, learn together through conversation. So there's a lot in there and I'm not going to try and um, cover it all off now, but I would recommend um, looking at some of his white papers on this. Um, but in terms of comparing and contrasting, um, we didn't do a bad job, uh, just the kind of more the us factor of um, leadership and wisdom. So this is a quote from the book, um, and I'm going to share it with you because I think it is very much a design leader quote. To be humble is to recognize our personal limitations and to happily accept those limitations as inevitable. It is to recognize that the world will always be too complex for us to understand in its entirety and to be curious about that and to be curious about what others are thinking and feeling. 
So I think this is a lot about, encapsulates a lot of the ideas that I've spoken about, that limitations is the circle of influence, circle of concern, the complexity of the world that we live in. We can't ever understand it fully, but we just need to understand and be curious about it and support our teams as they navigate their way through it. So we're coming on to the home straight now. Um, and I learned a new word when I was doing this um, talk, which is phronesis, which means practical wisdom. There is a whole section in the library, I would imagine, on Greek philosophy and phronesis. I'm not going to try and cover it here. I did try and understand it. It's, it's, it's over there, it's massive. Uh, Aristotle, Google it. <laughs> so what, what is phronesis? phronesis? It's the habit of making the right decisions taking the right actions in context and relentless pursuit of excellence for the common good. So let's get our phrenesis on. <laughs> so this is the penultimate slide. So this is really kind of like a summary of what we've been talking about today. Um, build your self-awareness. And I would start with that. Don't go anywhere before you start to feel like you know yourself a bit better. And I think taking that time to reflect on how you are in those moments that matter whether it be a big meeting or dealing in the one-on-ones. Be humane. Treat people kindly. Reflect and be mindful, and that's being mindful in the moment. Stay curious and always be learning. Have that growth mindset, knowing that we can always be learning and never know everything. Taking the observer point of view. So that's even taking the observer point of view, stepping away from yourself and see how you are in situations like the third person. Be collaborative engage in dialogue, take action. So using our tools and techniques, and again, I'll reinforce that it's not only what we do, it's how that we do it that's important, that is wise. And it's how we support our teams to enact these aspects of wisdom. So with that, I would like to thank you for listening. Feel free to give me a shout during the break if you've got any questions. And I also wanted to say thank you to Kat for help with this deck and her dog, Penny. I don't think Penny did much. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you.